This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Veterans Affairs Department says it has some challenges to work through with its electronic health record, but it's confident it can fix them, and it's confident the Cerner Millennium platform will eventually be an improvement over VA's legacy Vista health record. Some members of Congress are skeptical, though, and they don't see how it's possible for VA to pause the rollout and still meet its $16 billion 10-year budget and timeline. We get the latest from Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco. VA is partly through a strategic review of its massive electronic health record modernization program. The department decided to launch the review after hearing some concerns from employees and leaders in Spokane, Washington. That's where VA first deployed the EHR. Employees there say they're still experiencing problems with the health record. And that's putting patient safety in some cases at risk. There's bipartisan support for this review. But Congress wants VA to use the time to make real progress on the EHR. And they're worried VA will be too quick to deploy the EHR to a second site in Columbus, Ohio, before most of the problems are resolved. Members got some reassurances from VA recently that it's listening to those concerns. Congressman Matt Rosendale is the ranking member of the Veterans Affairs Technology Modernization Subcommittee. Here he is with Carolyn Clancy, the acting deputy VA secretary. Again, I want to make sure, do I have your commitment not to start any Columbus go-live activities until after the strategic review has been completed and shared with this committee? Yes, you have that commitment. VA reiterated it's committed to the Cerner Millennium Project, and it's committed to the ongoing strategic review. Here's Clancy. The strategic review covers a full range of program areas, including productivity and clinical workflow optimization, a human-centered design effort to understand what veterans want to see from VA's patient portal, and a sandbox environment that will allow employees at future implementation sites to conduct interdisciplinary team-based rehearsals of these workflows in the new EHR solution. We're also committed to ensuring greater transparency with information, progress, and findings. While we've laid a strong foundation, you will see us do more to ensure those internal and external to VA, including you as congressional stakeholders, understand the progress of the program. You'll also see us engage in even more robust collaboration with our DOD partners. VA has a new chief acquisition officer and senior IT advisor who report directly to the secretary. They're bringing fresh eyes to the Cerner contract and are going through all of the program requirements. VA and Cerner acknowledged there's a lot of work to do to put the EHR on the right path forward in Spokane. Brian Sandager is the general manager of Cerner Government Services. As with any healthcare IT transformation, we knew there would be challenges. Sometimes what you design on paper is over-engineered, and it doesn't fit local workflows, and we need to modify those. That is why we plan to deploy at select initial operating capability sites to quickly identify challenges and resolve them. We are using a combination of data, insights, and end-user feedback to inform VA decisions. Clinicians in Spokane say tasks that once took two or three clicks in the legacy EHR now take 10 or more. Primary care physicians are operating at 65% of their usual productivity levels before the pandemic. Some say that metric has improved in recent months. Sandager says 74% of veterans are seen within 15 minutes of their scheduled appointment time in Spokane, 
and time spent within the EHR is down 32% since the initial rollout in October. Here's Clancy. But it is frustrating business because in the end, the EHR probably itself, the technological piece is about a third of the solution, right? The rest is changing a whole lot of aspects of your everyday work. So many processes that you used to do on autopilot without thinking, now you have to think about we have a new system and all that, which is a really fabulous idea, but usually for other people, not for me, right? I mean, it's so it's exhausting. VA employees in Spokane raised a total of 247 patient safety concerns since the EHR went live last October. The department didn't say how many trouble tickets VA staff are sending, but some employees are frustrated with the process and aren't sending them at all. VA says it's creating a dashboard that should help employees better track progress on their complaints. But members of Congress say employees are disillusioned with the current process. Dr. Robert Fisher is the director of the Mann Grandstaff VA Medical Center in Spokane. Well, from my perspective, sir, I worry about my staff's morale. Obviously, this has been a trying year between COVID and now the Cerner Millennium rollout. They've had to face a lot of change. Some members of Congress are concerned about VA's spend plan and the timeline for this massive project. Congress obligated $3.8 billion for the EHR project so far. VA has spent $2.6 billion. It's asking for another $2.7 billion for 2022 alone. Congressman Matt Rosendale. I'm hoping that the uh, a lot of that 2.6 was for the actual hardware and not necessarily for the software and the upgrades on the equipment because the results and the reports that we're getting as far as the effectiveness of the rest of the program has not been shining, shall we say. If the cost estimate is going to hold, you've already gotten more than one third of the money Congress is going to appropriate, obligated, maybe not actually spent. It, we are more than three years with seven years left. The Cerner EHR is up and running at the one site so far with 169 sites outstanding. One site, 169 sites. Again, when we start looking at these numbers, I admit, I went to to school before Common Core math, but this is not adding up to me, okay? Even if each future site goes faster, how can the old cost and schedule possibly be achieved? VA, though, is still standing by the original timeline, which has the project ending in 2028. John Wyndham is the executive director of VA's Office of Electronic Health Record Modernization. It's like the first time you try something, it's hard, and then you get better and better and better. This IOC process is doing what it needs to do. It is that bite of the apple, sir, that allows us to affect the appropriate changes, efficiencies, and assessment values before a full deployment decision that takes us across the enterprise, sir. Ultimately, though, VA believes the EHR project is worth the challenge. It's supposed to create an end-to-end patient record that follows military members during their active duty service to the time they become VA customers. But some Republicans question whether the project is really worth the time and resources. Indiana Republican Jim Banks with Carolyn Clancy. I think the Cerner EHR has to perform better than VA's current EHR, the CPRS, to be worthwhile. Some in the DOD have characterized their legacy EHR, Alta, as intolerable. I am not aware of anyone characterizing CPRS that way. Do you agree that the Cerner EHR has to meet a very high bar in terms of performance in VA? And what happens if it doesn't? 
So, you know, there are surveys of doctors that say that uh, the VA legacy system is one of the best, which is not surprising. It was built by doctors for doctors, and it was built before many organizations actually did their billing electronically. It is really a whole new world right now, and we need all of the contemporary adjustments that go with a modern electronic health record, and that's not what VISTA was built for. I am confident that we can make practice consistent across the Veterans Health Administration and that the new workflows in the end will be much better for veterans and the clinicians serving them. Nicola Grisco, Federal News Network. Check out Nicole's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. We now bring you a special presentation from our friends at WEPA. Shane, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us about WEPA and your new podcast? Mike, great to see you again. The podcast series, Lessons in Leadership, what we're trying to do is, is take a deeper dive, a different angle into the conversation around leadership with great leaders at all levels of government. Uh, since the 1900s, leadership has been studied in a serious and academic way. Uh, great man theory, the leader-follower theory, the inspirational leader, transformational leader, All of these are backward-looking development of styles, looking at an individual, figuring out how they did leadership, and then translating it into a form that we can use today to learn, to perhaps emulate, copy. But great leaders, they have more than one style. I I truly think that a great leader can adapt and transform into the role that's needed at that time. So what we're trying to do is is talk to great leaders and go a level deeper. Tell us about your a story in your past. Tell us an inspiration that really affected your ability to lead others. And this certainly applies in the uh, federal space. The federal government, it's over 2 million employees, Great leaders are throughout the federal government, both at the top and the middle ranks. And what we want to do is ask them to pull inside their memory, pull inside their personal history, find those moments in time when they were changed, they were inspired, they learned something about leadership from another person, perhaps it was uh, from themselves, and they brought that to the workplace, and they inspired other and became great leaders. So that's what we're trying to do with the podcast. Okay, so I, I get that you wanted to start with leadership, but what makes leadership such an important topic right now for federal workers? Great question. Leadership today is tested like never before. Um, today's, if I had to put a leadership style, if I had to put names to it, we hear about um, empathetic, we hear transparent, we hear uh, inspirational. So today we have COVID, we have a down economy, we have people, we have social uh, injustice that we're dealing with. There are many new factors. And it's drawing like never before on a leader's ability to pull from within themselves and adapt to the current change. So leadership today is almost brand new again. We're taking all kinds of different styles, attributes, learnings that leaders have. They're looking at the current situation that we're in and understanding how do I 
move groups of people? How do I move my employees? How do I inspire? How do I get them to the next best place? So I think leadership today, this conversation uh, is extremely relevant, perhaps more relevant than it's been in several decades. You know, we talk about an employee's personal route to growth, but what role does the management side have in this? I think in the federal government, it's it's a little bit different than it is in the private sector. Uh, my father was a civilian federal employee. Uh, he joined the federal government in the 1960s. Uh, John Kennedy, he was inspired by ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. He had opportunities to go in the private sector. That notion of service inspired him. It inspired an entire generation. I would like to think that call to service, which is unique in in the federal space, in the government space, still exists today. Well, that about says it all. But is anything else you'd want the audience to know about you personally or WEPA as an organization? Uh, I have been uh, around the group affinity insurance world for um, three decades. I've led this is my second uh, major organization that I've led. And I will tell you that we impart this feeling. Uh, you mentioned it, Mike, about service, this notion. We serve those who serve. And uh, I will tell you that it's refreshing. It's a blessing to be there. And <clears throat> I have so much respect for civilian federal employees at every level of government. In this podcast, we're hoping to talk to leaders which are similarly inspired and can share their learnings over a lifetime. And uh, this will be useful information uh, for anybody in government service. Everything's getting more expensive these days. Gas, rent, and even your music. While other music services keep jacking up their prices, Live One is letting you lock in the best music membership at the best price. Live One Plus is just $3.99 per month. Get all your favorite music ad-free, along with unlimited skips and maximum audio quality. Beat inflation with the best deal in music at just $3.99 per month. Visit liveone.com slash bestmusic to get Live One Plus now. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at pluralsight.com vision.